This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to Earthwise, environment and peace with justice interviews on Plains FM 96.9. We'd like to thank PEDET, the Peace and Disarmament Education Trust, for their support. Welcome to Earthwise. I'm Lois Griffiths. For today's program, Martin and I are interviewing, or speaking with, Samak Sabawi. Samak was born in Gaza, has lived in Canada, and is now based in Melbourne. She's an internationally renowned advocate for justice, writer, commentator, author, poet, and playwright. And Samak will be speaking at several centres in New Zealand. We're very fortunate in New Zealand to have such a talented, creative and well-informed speaker come to our shores. So welcome to Earthwise, Samak Sabawi. Thank you, Martin and Lois. And uh, I'm very fortunate to be in New Zealand. It is such a beautiful country and uh, I'm very heartened by the warmth and and the wonderful reception that I've received from the people I've met here. So it's just absolutely wonderful to be here. I'm really glad to hear you say that. Well... Samak, Martin and I heard you speaking in Melbourne last October. You were talking about a play that you were about to stage. Could you tell us about that, please? That's right. The play was uh, titled uh, Tales of a City by the Sea. And it was a play that was inspired by poetry that I'd written during Israel's uh, aggressive attack on Gaza in 2008-2009, the 21 days of bombardment. Um, so those poems, uh, with time, took on a life of their own, and they became to uh, somehow they turned into a script. I mean, characters were coming out of these po- poems. So I wrote a script, and uh, I wanted for the script to be uh, read first of all in in Gaza to check the authenticity oh, and and wow. the you know how how the Gazans would react to the characters that were in the story. So. Um, I went to Gaza City in 2012, and we had a reading of the play at the Catan Center. And uh, after that, we decided, um, you know, it it had a fantastic reception in Gaza. We had a lot of people show up for the reading. And and then we decided uh, that it's time to actually put on the play. And uh, we did last year. We were hoping that we would be able to perform the play in three cities simultaneously in Gaza, in the West Bank, and in Melbourne as a way of connecting uh, Palestinians in diaspora with Palestinians under occupations on both sides of the occupation wall in Gaza and in the West Bank. Uh, Unfortunately, when we started um, moving forward with our production, it was time, I think, we were just starting to put together our casts in these different cities. Um, We were uh, faced with... uh, the horrific uh, beginning of yet another war on Gaza in that August was in, in 2012. July. Yeah. That was oh. no, that was just last year yeah. when we were uh, working towards putting on the production. And so, of course, uh, our um, our contacts in Gaza, our uh, colleagues um, who were working on this project, were not able to continue on uh, with the story with us. Uh, but we ended up opening it in uh, the West Bank and in Melbourne. And uh, it was fantastic reception in Melbourne. We had a fully sold-out season from day one. We added uh, an extra show at the end. And uh, we kind of stopped with the crowds calling for more. So it was it was a really good uh, experience in that sense. How long does the play last? 
Uh, as in how long the run was for? Yes. No, no I mean how many, how, an hour or two? Uh, yes. It's about an hour and yes. uh, it's just a little bit over an hour. It's an hour and 20 minutes. Now, is this in English, presumably in Melbourne, was it? It is in English in, in Melbourne in... and it was done in Arabic in Palestine. And how did you write it originally? Did you write it in Arabic or did no, you translate? No, no, I wrote it in English originally. Yes. And uh, when it was translated in Arabic, I had, uh, um, I had someone uh, translate it for me in Gaza. And uh, she did a, an incredible job. And then when I read the script in Arabic with, you know, with the di- Gazan dialect in it, it just made so much more sense, actually, than, yes. <laughs> than the English script. But, yeah. I think it's wonderful that you were able to do this and you were supported by the Melbourne public. Because when we heard you speak, you were talking about the, the need of, to use culture to humanize Palestinians. Absolutely. Absolutely. We are not at all uh, the cardboard characters that we are made out to be sometimes by the mainstream me- media, especially. Uh, there is a lot more to Palestine than the, uh, the idea of the um, suicide bomber or the angry protester. Resistance comes in all forms and in all shapes. And we are a society that has a diverse um, uh, diverse views politically, diverse talents socially and uh, artistically. And uh, it, it's really, I think it's really important to humanize a people by showing the range of talent and skills that these people have. And art is a very important tool uh, in doing that. What's um, impressed me, well, a lot of things about Palestinians impressed me, but also their, their, their love of learning and of culture. There are actually universities in Gaza, aren't there? There, there are universities, of course. They, how, how many? I think there's three that I know yeah. of. There's a few uh, different universities now that are popping up. Um, some of them are privately funded. Some of yes. them are funded by NGOs. But uh, there are three main universities that I'm aware of. Maybe mm. your next guest, uh, Shamich, can mm. uh, expand a little bit more on that. Um, but uh, Palestinians uh, have always held education to be a very important thing in their lives. We were raised to... Um, to not only want to seek out a higher learning and higher education, uh, but to uh, to do whatever it takes to make sure that we get there, and so we we are very um, we're very aware of that. And uh, yes, Palestinians are big on uh, on education. And parents will make enormous sacrifices to get their children to attend school and, of course, later. Absolutely. And, in fact, the, the, the literacy rate in Palestine in the occupied territories is quite high compared to other places uh, in the Middle East and uh, around the world. It's, I think it sits at 90-something percent. I don't have figure. the statistic here. Yeah. It is an incredible figure. It, basically, everybody goes to school, yes. you know, with the in exception spite of, everything. Of, of it. Yeah, in spite no, of everything. Back to the play, just one more point, Tales of a City by the Sea. Is this a love story? Yes, it is. On the surface, it is a love story. It's um, a story between a, an American doctor who lives in, um, in the U.S. He was actually born in Texas. Um, he's of Palestinian origin. Is and this a fictional character? Sorry, it's no? a fictional yes. character, but the story itself is, is based on truth. So uh-huh. this doctor goes on the free Gaza boats in uh-huh. 2008 yes. to Gaza. It's, oh. He's on the same boat as Vittorio Arigoni. So oh, there's okay. a little bit of truth in the background yes. surrounding yes. the fictional characters. Um, once in Gaza, he connects with a Palestinian woman that he has been writing to and, and you know, in touch with prior to his visit and who's actually piqued his interest in Gaza. It was through this woman that his interest in, in Gaza, uh, you know, became real. So he goes on the first free Gaza boat in 2008. He's a little bit... Um, um, 
not not arrogant, but very confident about we broke the siege. You know, we came on two wooden boats, and here we are. And um, and he tells her uh, on the beach heroically as they say goodbye. You know, don't. You know, she says to him, you're never going to come back. He says, oh, of course, I'll come back. We broke the siege. We've did it, done it once. We can do it again. You know, I'll be back. And, mm. you know, off he goes to the U.S. And uh, he tries to come back with his mom to ask for the girl's hand in marriage. Uh, and they get stuck at the Rafah border because the border is closed. Uh, Israel's turning away the boats. Um, and uh, and as they try to figure out how they can be together, because their relationship has been on Skype for quite some time now, Um <laughs> And then the the 2009 uh, 2008 uh, war begins uh, on Gaza in December, and uh, and uh, he ends up uh, uh, making the decision of using the underground tunnels to get in oh. to volunteer at the Shifa Hospital. Yes. So he goes, and again, this is a real story. Um, the, the seven doctors that literally crawled for seven hours in the underground tunnels in 2008. Um, to get to Shifa Hospital and to volunteer because the borders were shut. So he happens to go with these seven doctors uh, in the underground tunnels, and uh, he gets into Gaza. And I guess the rest of the story you'll have to see or read <laughs> yes. oh, when oh, the so time it's is right. It's quite moving. Page turning, and you've got to, got to <laughs> hear you, the end of the story. Yeah, yeah. it'll be published uh, in a book uh, with Canada Playwrights Press uh, that we're working on um, early 2016. Yes. So you can you can read the play then, and I'm hoping also in 2016 that we will have a national and hopefully an international tour of the play. I was going to say I'd love to see it myself. (coughs) Now you're not you're in New Zealand basically not to talk about your play. Mm. What is your your main message? I mean, we've talked about the need to humanize Palestinians. What can we, grassroots citizens so far away, do for the Palestinian cause? I think we're at a, a time now where it's become apparent to a lot of people, and I'm 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 getting the sense that this is quite prevalent um, amongst uh, uh, the populations of many of the world uh, that Israel is uh, acting uh, in violation of international and humanitarian law when it comes to the Palestinians. That it is responsible for war crimes. Uh, last year in uh, in August, while the bombs were falling. Uh, a lady that uh, I, I uh, know who is completely unaware of anything that goes on in, in, in the world around her. She's a, a true blue Australian, um, white, uh, Anglo-Saxon woman uh, who lives in, in the same neighborhood as I. And uh, you know, I was talking to her one morning, just small talk, and she says to me, I'm in such a bad mood. And I said, what's going on? She goes... You know, I, the last few days I've been watching the news and I'm seeing these horrible things happening. The I think it's the Israelis. They're doing something in this place called Gaza. Have you heard of the Gaza? Does she know? Did you know? No, no. Oh. And I'm like, have I heard of the Gaza? Oh, God, have I ever heard of Gaza? <laughs> so, you know, the knowledge is spreading. Uh, what's happening, in, in especially in the last war mm. on Gaza, was so horrific. And so it lasted for so long. Oh. Um, that the truth is finding its way out to the masses. So what do we do? I think this is a time when we have to move from just trying to seek sympathy for the Palestinians to actually demanding and and, uh, calling for action. We need to take action. It's time for us to stop just doing, um, um, you know, going around trying to get politicians to say, oh, really, I sympathize. I'm, I'm sorry for what you're doing and saying, no, 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 that's not what we want. Palestinians do not want sympathy. 
we want action. And this action, uh, as far as the grassroots movements and, and civil society goes, uh, has to be in, in them connecting to and understanding the mechanics of the boycott, divestments and sanctions movement. You know, as, as, a, as a person who lives in New Zealand or in Australia or in Canada, wherever uh, you may live, you have a choice. You may not be able to change the world with what you're doing with your life habits. But you can at least have a choice of putting your money into something that will end up being uh, part of a drone or a bomb that's going to explode and kill children um, or families or, or using your money in a way that, that is not going to be doing that. It's your money. It's your decision. You are part of this um, no matter what you think, we are all part of this global structure. And so finding out about what products, what companies are responsible for these horrible violations of human rights and international law and making sure that you are not spending money, at least your own money. I mean, you may not go and change the world, but at least don't put your money yes. into something that's going to be part of this criminal regime. Um, I heard um, the last few days in New Zealand that there were a few groups that were planning a soda stream campaign. And that's a great example of, you know, showing how we're connected to the occupation. Soda stream is being sold in stores all around um, New Zealand and in Australia as well. And this is a company that functions in a settlement in land that is being stolen at gunpoint from yes. the Palestinian people. Um, and it is violating uh, ethical and moral standings of, of all good people, you know, when you think about what Israel is doing. Um, and it's not even a necessary item to have in your home. You know, this is something if you do not buy soda stream, you're not going to die. You're not going to be sick. You know, you're not going to not be able to use your computer. There are things on uh, that Israel manufactures that, you know, that are difficult to boycott. But where there are alternatives and where you're talking about something like Dead Sea Minerals, for example, uh, you know, cosmetics and something like a soda stream machine, you know, at least, at least have the decency not to put your money yeah. into these things. And that is really, you know, that is really where our thinking needs to go. Um, and, of course, always write to the media um, and write to your MPs and let them know that it's time to take a, a stand. Of course, these firms are fighting back, aren't they, with their own propaganda? They're saying, oh, well, we've moved out of the settlement now or in Israel itself. I mean, SodaStream is a case in point. And they don't have a point, really, do they? Because they're still using the same uh, product, the same labor and everything. And, uh, exactly, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, you just continue to raise awareness yeah, yeah. around this issue yeah, yeah. and, uh, you know, make sure that you're not falling for for their propaganda and for their rebranding attempts. Yes. You know, at the end of the day, what we want is we want for there to be peace for the Jewish people in, in Israel and for the Palestinians. Um, and we're not going to get there if we're walking through a fog of lies and propaganda. Mm. We have to be clear on everything and we have to be unequivocal and unhypocritic when it comes to uh you know, examining the issues over there and who has responsibility for what. You're listening to Earthwise, broadcasting in Christchurch on Plains FM 96.9, in Hamilton on Free FM, and Waikanae on Coast Access FM. Today, today's guest is Samah Sabawi, who was born in Gaza and lives in Melbourne. You might be interested to know that Martin and I have um, keep, kept in contact with what's called a super fund here. Mm -hmm. It's a compulsory um, pension fund. Pension fund which helps elderly people like us. Mm 
Well, it's, yeah. got, it's got enormous capital. It's over 30 billion now. It's All got government the run over many yeah. years. But they have wow. withdrawn from Elbit, which, that is which fantastic. I think is very positive. Yeah. They still invest in G4S, which I think mm-hmm. is a campaign that we want to run. That's and, lo- and lots of Israeli banks, it, too. Yeah. They still invest in those. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. But we're not yeah. trying to pressure them. They yeah. keep hearing from us. But <laughs> yeah, and that's the kind of action yeah. that will ultimately bring change mm-hmm. because we do want to bring change to, to the region and especially to Palestine, Israel. Uh, so that's really important. And, of course, Israel 48, the original Israel, is, is really no more. <laughs> can't get off the hook just to try and say that's not Palestine, that's Israel, that's us. They can't get away with that, can they? I mean, the, the policy is being done in Israel itself, and second-rate citizenship of Palestinians there in exactly. Israel. Yeah, look, you know, and, and really th- that argument comes up when people say that, you know, only boycott settlement goods, mm. um, but don't boycott Israeli goods. Well, the way the boycotts work is you boycott whatever you can, yes. um, and, and you do whatever you can, you join whatever campaign you can. So it's all right to boycott settlement goods only, as long as you're not just... What is not okay is for you to say it's not, it's not okay to boycott Israeli goods. Mm-hmm. Do what you can. But, but you cannot separate Israel's responsibility uh, or exonerate Israel of its responsibility for the settlements. The settlements do not exist in a vacuum. They did not fall from another planet and <laughs> land on a hill in the West Bank. These settlements are funded by the state of Israel. Um, settlers are there because Israel, the state, uh, facilitates their movement into there. And they're protected by the Israeli army. And the other thing is, you know, when you're talking about boycotting Israel only to end the occupation and the settlements. You know, people forget that, you know, the, the, the F-16s that dropped thousands, sorry, that dropped hundreds, I don't know the number of uh, one, you know, hundred, one thousand ton bombs on Gaza. The people who were in these F-16s were not exactly just settlers, were they? I mean, this is Israel. This is an Israeli army. The massacres that were committed in Shujaia were not committed only by settlers. They were committed by the the Israeli army. So you cannot um, differentiate in that sense. I'm going to change the subject a bit because Martin and I heard you speak very recently in Christchurch and you read three poems that everyone, everyone found very moving. Can you share some of your poetry with us now? Sure. Was there any specific request? It was the one about liberation that really The liberation anthem. Yes, that's right. Okay. It's your own poem, isn't it? Yes. So I wrote this poem after spending some time in Sydney um, talking to a Jewish lady uh, who's a a liberal Zionist. And um, she was going on and on about how afraid she was of the BDS movement and threatened by it. And I kept trying to explain to her uh, that how could you be afraid of something that is saying and demanding equality? If I want to make you, if I'm calling for equality, then I want to be your equal, which makes you my equal. You're not better than I, and I'm not better than you. It's not an ideal situation. Why is that so scary? Um, and so afterwards, we, um, you know, I went home and I wrote this poem, and the poem is called The Liberation Anthem, and it comes with a dedication. It's written to the people of Israel who fear our freedom. Don't be afraid. We will liberate you too. This is my rendition of an anthem to be sung. That day, you and I will stand side by side, shoulder to shoulder, watching a new dawn wipe away decades of hate and savagery. The day I rise from the ruins of your oppression, I promise you I will not rise alone. You too will rise with me. 
you will be liberated from your tyranny and my freedom will bring you salvation. This is my rendition of an anthem to be sung. I'll craft new words of expressions outside of this suffocating language that has occupied me. Your words are like your walls. They encroach on my humanity. I am more than demography. I am not your moderate, not your terrorist, not your Islamist, fundamentalist, extremist, militant, radical. I am more than adjectives, letters, and syllables. I will construct my own language and I'll defeat your words of power with the power of my words. This is my rendition of an anthem to be sung. I don't want to obliterate nor humiliate you. I refuse to hate you. Don't care to demonize or proselyze or theorize your intention. Every breath you draw reminds me you are human. The sound of your beating heart is rhythm familiar to my ears. You and I are no different. We are made of blood and tears. This is my rendition of an anthem to be sung. I will rise and soar above your matrix of control, and with the strength of my will, your walls will fall. And this concrete that segregates us, we can use it to rebuild homes. Your bulldozers and your tanks will dissolve into the earth. The sap will run in the olive trees. The gates will open wide for the refugees. We will be free. I will be your equal. And only then... You will be mine, my other self, my fellow human being. That's so beautiful. Wonderful. Well, Samaka, I, I did find that very moving. And it's, um, it's really what the Palestinians are asking for. They're asking for dignity. They're asking for justice. And they're asking to live. Absolutely. You've actually worked with Jewish groups, haven't you, in Canada? I have. I've worked. Um, I've I was part of a, a dialogue group in Canada a long time ago. Um, and I work, I think, for us to have this struggle move forward. We do work with uh, with Jewish groups. I have a lot of Jewish friends who are activists who mm. are, uh, you know, they think the same way that I do. Uh, and I think together one day we will create something beautiful where nobody has to be afraid of being obliterated. But there's a lot of work to be done before we get there. There is, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so thank much you for so talking much. to us, Samak. I thought we would, well, first of all, just want to finish by reminding people of an important event coming up. You might be aware that the National Day of Action against the TPPA is March the 7th. We'll talk more about that next week. So do turn in, tune in again next week. And we'll finish now with a, a beautiful strand of music of Massa by the Palestinian musical group Le Trio Joubran. <laughs> 